0: This is the Scott Bradley Show Podcast.
1: Uh, It has been, Now we've had these before. We had probably a month ago, there was a council meeting with delegation after delegation after delegation. I think there was 30 something. Well, tonight there was over, today there was over 50. But people wanting to come in and wanting to chat about the LRT, whether they were in favor, whether they were not in favor. They wanted to have their say and council sat there dutifully today and listened for nine hours ten hours uh someone else who sat there and listened for nine hours or ten hours or whatever it was uh he just pulled himself out of the newsroom just so he could stretch his legs i think ken man of 900 chml yeah it feels good to get up Uh, you you i mean you're a runner you've done boston marathons and stuff i'm guessing sitting for nine hours is worse than running for three hours uh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) So what is going? On? I mean this this is the first of all this is the issue that will never die but just for today
2: in particular. Well, what if, if people if they then, ever were to actually vote then Well, they, we'll get to that in a second could happen but, but okay. uh, yeah, and, uh, if they keep putting off the vote and putting off the vote, yeah, it, it's just a groundhog day all over again.
1: Well, first of all, what are I mean, rough example. I mean, obviously there's 50 some delegations today. Something like that. Yeah. Give me a couple examples of what people have been saying because they've had very pro and very con in there so g- very give me much had probably a fairly
2: even split to be fair okay. a lot of a lot of pro um, speakers at the start seemed to be more against towards the end I think it probably balanced out I didn't really take account so if
1: you had to pick a favorite then a favorite uh, topic for the pro people what was the big thing or one of the big things that they're at this point which i think we must have heard everything by now but what was the big rallying cry today for the pro delegation
2: well a lot of uh, people who have invested started businesses in the city the the chamber of commerce uh, their message very consistent uh, take advantage of this this billion dollar investment that the province is, is willing to make and 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 build this line and and we'll see all of this uh, growth and, and economic uplift along you know, throughout the lower city along along the proposed line and and uh, it'll increase the tax base and ease the ease the tax burden on all the other residents throughout the city. And, so it's rainbows and, and, move and unicorns, forward if we get and it. the future uh, is is in our hands. Okay, you know, so that, that kind of a message, of course, on on the pro side. What about the negative side uh, the negative side uh, a lot of concerns there and've and we've, we 've heard them all before, of course uh, the the impact of construction years of construction, of course, on existing businesses along the corridor there's something that five or six hundred businesses along the line, and uh, many of them and I, I suppose rightfully so fear for for their livelihoods while this thing is being built because uh, it will have an impact on them certainly over over the years of construction. The pro side of that is that once it's done, if you can weather the storm, you're going to be unicorns and rainbows, yeah, yeah. as you say. But can they all survive that process? And a lot of them have that worry. There's, there's also worries about creating just traffic chaos throughout the lower city, not only during construction, but once the thing's complete. Um, some people f- feel like the city is creating a problem where no problem exists now in terms of movement of people throughout the city. Uh, what else is there? This is Let me just say, interrupt you for one yeah, sec, because sure. I
1: promised people that I would give you an
2: update. Uh, one
1: nothing for the Capitals, uh,
2: three and a half minutes
1: into the game with the Leafs tonight. So there's your there's your depressing update right off the bat. No, that's it was okay. two not nothing. Yeah, that's the yeah. Leafs'
2: uh, strength apparently now.
1: But this this were, honestly, did you hear anything today? that we haven't heard 150 times before. Was there anything new in, of all the delegations? Was, did anything make you sit up and go,
2: wow, I never thought about that? I don't think, I don't think I heard anything that I hadn't heard before. Um, Some allegations that there's some bullying going on, on the, on the, uh, yes, LRT side and. That that they're they're, bullying uh, the no people? They're bullying the the no people, the, the business people. And you know. Boycotting their stores and, and threatening them that way. That, yeah, that, that, that was a little bit new and disturbing to hear. But, uh, you know, this, this thing has gone on so long that I think people are just frustrated. Was there a delineation that you could see or that you could
1: tell in the age of the people who are on either side? Because this has been positioned recently
2: as millennials, yes, old people, no.
1: Is that I think clear that's from very real. I, I
2: think that's very real, and it does show up it, it, definitely. The, the younger people, when they speak, they're they're generally for, and and it's the it's the older people, the people with established businesses as such, and a, a lot of them have the concerns and, and are opposed, uh, not necessarily opposed to LRT overall and the idea of LRT, but this uh, the way this is structured, just in, in this particular case of this project. So what happens, I mean, this meeting today is to accept the environmental assessment that has been done. Now they're just... Well, f- first of all, uh, okay. as we were just discussing this before you went on air. Um, Councillor Whitehead, just just before 7 o'clock, indicated that he was going to move a motion after they have received Paul Johnson's uh, report, and he's presented s- some answers to some questions that they would asked him to come back on. But Councillor Whitehead has indicated that he's going to move to uh, defer... The decision once again uh, until next Wednesday's council debate meeting. and decision. E, uh, or will yes, they debate right, Because if he, if he puts the motion to defer after the presentation, that would cut off uh, okay. debate. So yeah, it looks like this is probably heading over to next Wednesday for a debate and a vote. Where um, his reasoning for that was that they just spent nine hours listening to delegations and they're all tired. And you can't make good decisions when you're tired, and everybody's um, all in a kerfuffle. Based on also the last, that they need, and this this second uh, this second part of this argument doesn't really add up to me. But they need time to digest what they heard from the delegations today. Based on uh, the that last might super be true, meeting, except though. that we've heard all of those delegations. Yeah, I was going to say based
1: before. on the last super meeting because they had about a couple of weeks ago they had another one like this with delegations that went on forever whether you agree with Councillor Whitehead's position on the LRT or not is his comment about the fact that 9 hours of listening to delegations you're weary is that a fair case to make are
2: you uh, weary at the, could you could you debate for 3 hours right now and make a wise decision i don't think i can listen for another 3 hours <laughs> <laughs> but no but um and you know what else creeps into the back of my mind on this when he moves to I defer, and of course, I'm not the only one who's going to have this thought. Is at the last council meeting, um, Aiden Johnson had accused those who are undecided or opposed of trying to kill this project through death by delay was the exact phrase. Uh, that kind of creeps back in your mind every time they start to push this ball down the road a little bit further again. Uh, that. That that allegation is out there too. So we'll see. I, I I don't know that that's necessarily the case. But whatever the case, they are probably looking at next Wednesday now for for a decision. So that puts it off another another week. And. Mm, it just, you know, every Gets time they do closer. this, it, it makes it more difficult to, to keep meeting all the timelines and to get the, the contract out there and to get construction started by 2019, which is the idea. And of course, we move closer and closer to the next uh, provincial and municipal election yes, we as do. well. Uh, by the way, uh, four and a half minutes in, two nothing for the Washington
1: Capitals. Alex Ovechkin just scored. So a repeat of last game start. We'll see if it repeats the whole game if the Leafs come back. But anyway. Um, oh, there. The that. Uh, two to one. There you go. You called it. All right. Two to one. Well, they're already back on track. So uh, one of the things you just mentioned, though, and I don't want to keep jumping back to the Leafs, but they're scoring goals that are frantic pace so where here. Where
2: are we in? Five minutes in? Yeah, five
1: got, minutes in and we've got three goals. That's more action we had all day. You accounts. mentioned that the provincial election is coming up and this is one of the great concerns of the yes folks that if this, as Aiden Johnson said, Councillor Johnson said, the death by delay, that if we get to another election or even leading up to the election that this thing could get squelched. We've heard in the last couple days a lot of talk about Kathleen Wynne, whether she will stick around or whether she will not stick around. The fact that She now says she's going to be here, but she needs votes. Does that, in your mind, make it more likely that there's not going to be a lot of the the yes people have been worried that she or someone in the liberal government is just going to say, fine, if you don't want it, we'll just take it away. While this is being delayed or drawn out a bit, it seems to me that would indicate she's not going to say all of a sudden the billion dollars is gone, not right before yeah, an election.
2: I don't think that would happen unless council actually took actually killed to it. say, no, uh, in some form, we don't want the, the billion dollars. And then the province would gladly say, okay, there's uh, five other... municipalities Municipalities, apparently that would like this money, so uh, we'll we'll go give it to somebody else. But until that was to happen, I don't think you would see that happen. And, And, I mean, Ted McMeekin was back in the audience watching for a while today. The transportation minister was there as well. So the province is keeping an eye on it. I, apparently there were a number of, and of course who it's not there. just the provincial election that becomes a factor; the municipal election as well. Because if they haven't started uh, construction yet at that point, if you have a new city council in place, then it becomes a simple yes/no uh, majority. majority vote to to change the project, right? Rather than two-thirds, which is what they look at during the current council term. I know you got to get back
1: in there to catch the rest of this, but let me just ask you one more thing before that happens. You have followed municipal politics for a long time as well. Do you sense, with because there is a clear division right now with the councillors, the suburban, everyone knows this, I'm not saying anything new, the suburban and the mountain councillors tend to be, except for Lloyd Ferguson. With the
2: exception of Lloyd, yes.
1: Tend to be no, the downtown councillors tend to be yes.
2: With the exception of, well, it's Chad not really Collins. downtown, but Chad, yep.
1: So, do you see though, any of those councillors who, based on their position on this, would actually really be at risk in the coming election? I mean, there could be other things that could get them voted out. But based on their LRT position, do you see any of them that suddenly you're going to in their ward that they're going to be facing a huge backlash if this thing is still dragging on? Because I don't, I don't see any of them being hurt by this.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky question. I I, I don't I don't, pro, I, I don't think I really am in the heads of the voters in a lot of the wards enough to to really make a statement on that because
1: a lot of people today on twitter and other places are saying it's time to flush them all out let's get rid of, in the next election let's get rid of all of them i don't see yeah no i I I, suppose, I
2: I would expect that most of them are lining up in the way that they're, they're constituents like or at least fairly even in, in some cases maybe anyway so i yeah, yeah i don't think anybody's putting themselves at grave risk here
1: Ken Mann heading back into the newsroom to follow whatever is left. You'll, uh, you'll be hearing Ken on the news tonight, tomorrow, all day tomorrow, un- until he collapses from LRT yes. fatigue. <laughs> if you haven't reached yet. Ken, thanks for doing this. <laughs> thanks very much, Scott. We will uh, take a quick break here, go to, uh, go to a break, and when we come back I'll give you the quiz question again, give you some time to think about it. It's a tough one tonight, which is why we're giving you two ballots in the draw. It's a double-point question tonight if you can get this one right. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9
2: on AM 900 CHML.
1: Right at the top of the list is a social sports story. And when I say social, I don't necessarily mean social. Well, you get what I'm saying. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders today released defensive back Justin Cox after an alleged domestic violence incident. Regina police have charged the player on the rough riders who was on the rough riders after a woman at a house was injured in a alleged domestic violence case. And the Riders said, Nope, you're out gone done. Uh, you're no longer on the team. Then the CFL followed that up because outgoing commissioner, Jeffrey Orridge put out a statement saying any CFL team that tries to sign Cox now, I will refuse that contract. He is, he is not allowed to play in this league because of our stand against domestic violence. Now, I think everybody with any common sense and anybody with any compassion and humanity would applaud a league that says we are against domestic violence. 3-1 Capitals, by the way, just scored. I think the league would say, any anyone would say they support a league that has a zero tolerance or has no appetite for domestic violence among its players. However, the tricky part becomes he is not guilty of anything at this point, and yet his livelihood is now gone. Is this the right way to handle this? Let me bring in our buddy Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Sir, thanks for doing this tonight.
0: It's overstimulation at this point.
1: I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. There's a lot going on. But let's go to this Saskatchewan story for a second, yep. because we've had cases like this before, and some teams have said, no, you're gone immediately because we don't tolerate this, and others have tried to handle it somewhat differently. What is the right way to handle something like this? Is there a right way to handle this?
0: I think in this situation, or I shouldn't say in all situations, Scott, I think uh, need to be um, examined on an individual basis. Um, I have to believe that the actions taken by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and of course followed by the Canadian Football League come after their own investigation, whether that be talking to players, talking to the individual, and as well talking to the the authorities. Um, there are cases that have that have come across and we've seen in sports where they're not maybe as cut. And dry, and teams have said, Look, we're going to let the law take its due diligence and due course. Um, I'm going to say Patrick Kane for the Chicago Blackhawks were, was an individual that the, the team allowed him to continue training camp at the time. And then there's times, like this one, where the teams and the league have severed their the relationship with the players. So I think it's an individual thing, Scott, and I think that's probably the proper approach.
1: See, I th- I still think that, the be- for me, the best way a team handled it, which they then went and completely muffed up afterwards, but the best way that a team has handled this was when Slava Voinov of the Los Angeles Kings had a similar situation, at least a similar charge, and the team said, listen, we you're not guilty of anything yet because this is only an allegation. So you, we are going to pay your salary because we can't really in good conscience say you're guilty. But you, because of the nature of this, you are not to be around the team. You're not to be around the rink. You're not to be around the players. You stay far away. You're not really part of the team. But until we know you're guilty, we can't take away your livelihood. And, and I looked at that and I went, you know, that seems to me to be the the closest thing to a good balance between the rights of the accused and the rights of the victim and taking it seriously, but also saying who knows what really happened. There's only two people who were in that room.
0: And you're right. I mean, I, I, it's a tough situation and that's a tough call, Scott.
1: What happens Um, if he, what happens? And I'm not suggesting this is the case, but what happens if he turns out to be not guilty?
0: then his name is cleared and he can continue, continue to go on with his life. I mean, you know, another example comes to mind. Oh, my goodness, the Capitals are going crazy. Four
1: to one Capitals. Um, Everyone, come back to the Scott Radley <laughs> Show. The game is over.
0: <laughs> another thing that comes to mind is, you, if you remember uh, Colorado Avalanche goaltender Sergio um, uh, Semyon Varlamov, he was another one that had, in a, it was in a domestic uh, violence case in which the league, did sort of halfway. I mean, they told him, they excused him for at some time as well, too. Um, But then his case was thrown out, and then he was welcomed back with the team. Um, And I have to maintain that I think it's on an individual basis. And you're right, if, if, if the team looks like they have egg on their face in the end, at least they can say to their fans that we needed to free this situation from our team because it was a distraction and i know that's a big word in terms of distraction but it can be when a legal process is trying to go through and a team are trying to win games so maybe eliminating the player from the situation is the best thing for all involved
1: yeah again, I just uh, I'm not in any way, shape or form, wanting to be interpreted as saying that I'm being light on domestic violence or anything like that. That's not the case at all. I, I We do know there are times when things are not as clear cut as they may seem. I don't know if this is one of those cases, but to to have a guy's livelihood gone on an on an allegation, that, it, it, that, that's a tough one. If he's guilty, if, he is, if he's found guilty, in a second he should be gone and shouldn't play again. I had, you know, or even, Baba. even, let's be honest, even in cases where you have something where there is overwhelming evidence, for example, the Ray Rice video that came out from the Baltimore Ravens running back a while ago right, where, right. where the whole world could see what happened. There was no question. He punched his girlfriend and knocked her out cold. So, so you know whether the you say that the courts were going to find him guilty or not, uh, it was abundantly clear what had happened there, and everyone Absolutely. could see it with their own two eyes. As far as I know, there's no video. It's one word against another at this point, and I'm not saying the woman that his I don't know who she is. I don't think she's his wife, but the the I'm not saying the woman is lying. I'm just saying. Who knows at this point, except for the two of well, them? Well,
0: there is a reasonable doubt. I mean, and of course, the player is always, I mean, I I I shouldn't say always. There, there are times where a player or an individual in life in these situations have, you know, admitted to guilt right away. But he seems to have believed, and he's gone on Twitter as, as saying that, you know, when everything is clear, that, you know, his name will be, you know, will be cleared. He says, they here's, here's his
1: tweet. Uh, clearly, I did not beat up anyone. Hashtag facts. That's what he sent out the, the tweet saying. So he's saying, no, I didn't do it. Right. And again, I, I, there is no, I, I the distraction thing, again, I go back to what the Kings did. I think the Kings handled it in the best way possible. You're acknowledging the uh, the um, that you're innocent until proven guilty. So he still was able to live, but he was also told, "Don't be around our team because that word you used—it was a distraction." Right. That I thought was about as close to the right way as you could handle this as possible.
0: But even if he's getting paid, are you not still taking away his living, his ability to to, to do what he to, to show up to work every day?
1: In a sense, but you're not his job is not necessarily gone. You've for all intents and purposes, think of it like someone else who's been put on desk duty or something. I mean, you're yes, it's affected you, but you're, you still can put food on your table. And, and, and again, I, I come back to the point of if he is found, if he's found to be not guilty, if, if there's some explanation for this, uh, who knows? I mean, I, it, it's unlikely I'm, you know, the, the woman was injured by the sounds of, by the report. And so it's, it's unlikely, but if it comes back that it was not as described how does this guy? He's now been tainted. He's been tarred as the 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 wife abuser, and and uh, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a well, challenging I mean, one to and, me. And
0: and in and, and in all honesty, Scott,
1: does the league end up with egg on their face? The, uh, you know what? It depends who you're talking to. It depends who you're talking. to. I think for many people, the and and including, you know, we're hearing responses from people saying this is fantastic that the league is taking this strong a stand and there are other people who are saying wait a second doesn't he get the presumption of innocence that everybody else in society gets and that's the that's the question i mean look what what happens if at your station tomorrow someone says bubba punched me and you say i didn't punch anybody and they say bubba you're fired should you not be able to say look i do I not get to defend myself before I lose my occupation, before I lose my job? See, that's where, I, that's where I think you should at least be able to defend yourself.
0: And you're totally right, because I would expect that I would have my day, and I would be given the benefit of the doubt um, by the company that employs me. Um, but I think, in, Scott, and I, and I don't know if this is fair to say, but it seems to me as time has gone on, especially over, let say, the last couple of years, and you did talk about a Ray Rice situation, which was something um, that went public to everyone and everyone seemed to have an opinion about. I'm wondering if sports, if athletes are being held to a different standard than the
1: general public. I think a lot of people are, I, and, and I use the example of you again. As someone who is a face that represents the CHCH brand, if there was a hint that you had been an abuser of somebody, the company doesn't want your face out there that some people are thinking, that's a wife abuser, that's a, a, a female abuser who we're employing. And so I think it is very different if you're a company that has people who are out there visibly representing them. I think it becomes very different than if you were working in a, in a shop somewhere or somewhere where you you know you, you were, you weren't really known. I think you're right. I think, right. I think it's absolutely that, different.
0: I wonder, is that fair? Or, or did or did or do I know that when I sign up for the job
1: maybe maybe but but again, if you know that when you sign up for the job and someone accuses you of something whether it's real or not but let's say for a second let's just let's just take the one in a hundred chance that this is not what it's described as and the one in a hundred chance that someone says that you punched them and it turns out that it's not real if you signed up for a job, you surely signed up to at least be treated. Fairly, and maybe maybe he again. There's a very good chance, based on the fact that the police report she had injuries. There's a very good chance that what happened is what happened. I'm, I'm not arguing that, and I'm not saying he's innocent. I don't know what happened, but nobody really knows what happened no, at this point. Nobody does. And but we've we have reached maybe something. It has to do. I hate to throw out the name. Maybe it has something to do with the Gomeshi trial, with the Bill Cosby thing, with a lot of different things. Although this was happening even before that, that we are. We are saying you're guilty, and and I want to say it one more time before we move on to the next topic. If he is guilty, I've got no sympathy. I've got no, no. I'm I'm not lining up to defend the guy. If he's guilty, he's guilty. He should be done. I just don't know if he's guilty. Uh, I,
0: hopefully, it the, the truth comes out and and um, what the um, what the Rough Riders did. Was in in terms of being proactive. Hopefully, that is that that comes to to fruition, and that's true. And and everyone can sigh a you know a little bit of relief, and everyone can move on because these are situations that you know. And I've said this a, a hundred times on on the show. and I've said this to you. I've said this out public. That you know, far too many times the world of sports is being. I'm going to use the word littered by these situations. And uh, so much now, I mean, for many years in the world of sports, there was never a policy against uh, domestic abuse. And now pretty much every league has some type of policy. As it should. As it should. As, As it should. But we went many years without all of that. And these things were never, you know, front page stories. And I guess maybe they should be when they do happen. But I, I'm alarmed at the at the amount uh, of, of press that these stories get nowadays.
1: Let's jump to something much, much, much happier than this. Um, today, the induction class for the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame came out. And i got to tell you, there are halls of fame that at times you shake your head at and you say, what in the world were they thinking putting that person in? <laughs> the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame class this year, Cindy Clausen, who is... In the top three Olympians of all time from this country, maybe number one, but certainly in the top three of all time, Mike Weir, who is certainly in the top, well, I don't know where he is as far as great Canadian sports moments, but he'd be in the top 10. Winning the Masters, he'd be in the top 10 all-time great Canadian sports moments. Simon Whitfield, who I got to tell you, I've mentioned it on this show before That moment of him in Sydney running home to win the triathlon, the overhead camera of him reeling in the German guy was one of the few times I've literally got up off my couch and have been screaming at the TV. Another great moment. Uh, Carol Wynn, the uh, the wrestler who won a few medals, uh, and Lanny McDonald. My only question is, how have these people not been in the Hall of Fame before now?
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't want to be uh, too critical here, but there's for a long time, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame was uh, in tattered. It was a mess. Uh, it was um, dying a slow death. The building that sat beside that, that sat beside old Exhibition Stadium yes, was yes. in disrepair. The old Hockey
1: Hall of Fame. Um,
0: you know, half the two were it. connected there. Yep. Um, and I think they moved out to Calgary, and I think
1: built a new palace.
0: And, and I, exactly I heard it's a palace so I, which it should be. Um, so I believe that many years it was basically ignored. so maybe they have a lot of catching up to do, Scott, because I mean to induct I think nine uh, there's like there's nine inductions. I there think. were
1: some others. I didn't mention them only because most people would not really know them. they were builders you, you and they you're were you're not you're not up on the 1924 Edmonton Grad basketball team it, It's a you know what it's a fantastic story. They were a fantastic story. It was a female it was a women's basketball team and and if you go back and read it, it's a terrific piece of Canadian history. I just didn't have time tonight to go into the whole details, but I would encourage people to go online and read it because it's great. Um, but no, With there's Dr. Charles Tater, he didn't know much about his accomplishments. Again, these are tr- terrific tremendous Canadian people who've contributed to the sports world but it's just not something i didn't have time today to go tell i mean (laughs) they all have a story that you could write a long piece about but here's the funny thing here's the funny thing that i'm not quite sure about on this one when i said why has it taken so long for them to go in like lanny mcdonald when did lanny mcdonald retire when did the cup? when did 80 did they win the cup in 85 something like that 80
0: 85 or 83 with the calgary flames where you had that wonderful moment with the and a big overtime winner.
1: So he's been retired for easily adapt- 30 years. Easily. 30 years at least, and hasn't been in the Hall of Fame. Now, the criteria, though, on the website, if you go on their website, and I don't know if this has changed and they haven't updated it, but it says you have to have been retired from competition for four years. Well, Lanny McDonald clearly qualifies as being retired for four years. He's been retired for a lot longer than that. Cindy Clausen, though, it says that she was competing until 2015. My math is not great, Bubba, but that's not four years. <laughs> and I was down at Augusta watching the Masters two weeks ago, and Mike Weir was playing. And I don't know, and he's not, he someone forgot to tell him he's retired.
0: Wait no, I didn't. I didn't know about this.
1: So I'm look. I went on the website today to find out why did it t- take so long, and I'm thinking, wait, not. It didn't take long. Some of these people are in. It seems before they're even eligible. Which, and again, I'm not taking issue with the players. That's great. They're great players. It's just the the, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. It's what you were saying a moment ago. This thing kind of has been neglected to the point that it's great that they're bringing it back. It's great they're bringing these people in. Maybe we need to have a little more structure to it still to get it back up there at some point, but I don't know. I mean, it was a great class.
0: You know what? Now you've really caused me to. I'm going to have to do some more research tonight because how is that possible? How can you induct someone that's still in the sport? In fact, the only sport, you know what, Scott? The only sport that I do know about is golf. Golf is the lone sport that has um, a criteria of not being finished from your sport or retired from your sport, it's actually a certain amount of victories or some mathematical formula. Like guys like Phil Mickelson are already in the Hall of Fame, Um, and they're obviously still competing and will probably continue to compete for maybe a decade or more. So that's the only Hall of Fame I know of that where you are allowed in while still in competition.
1: Well, let me read you. This is off their uh, page when it says, Nominate your sports hero. Induction into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame is our country's highest sporting honour and Canada's Sports Hall of Fame strives to reflect and celebrate Canada's long and diverse sporting history. So far, so good. Nominated individuals may be deceased pioneers of Canadian sport, exceptional athletes that have been retired from major competition for at least four years, or builders demonstrating a lifetime commitment to the development of sport in Canada. Canada's Sports Hall of Fame invites all sports organizations, regional or sports-specific halls of fame, sports historians, and members of the public to nominate their sports heroes. So I'm a little puzzled. I'm not disappointed. As I say, I think the the class that they've got going in there is terrific. I'm just a little puzzled by, like when the hockey, and we got to go here, but the Hockey Hall of Fame waived the waiting period for Wayne Gretzky. And for Mario Lemieux, I believe as well, and I think also for Guy Lafleur, if I recall, but I mean, I'm not sure. But the point is, they don't do it very often. But this I'm, one, it just seems like, well, we'll do what we want.
0: I'm bamboozled by this, and I think um, a phone call is in order because I, I, I just on a natural curiosity thing, I need to know how this can happen. Well, I mean, there, there has to be, even if maybe they, class,
1: maybe Mike Weir philosophy. has done so poorly lately, they thought he was retired. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, we gotta go. Sadly, uh, Bubba <laughs> O'Neill, you can the watch. Credibility of it, Scott. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it hurts the credibility because the class is so good. That that great class actually gets them off the hook. If this had been a class of you and me and someone else, it would be what in the world are they doing? But listen, I got to run. Uh, thanks for the time. You can watch Bubba tonight on uh, CHCH at eleven o'clock. Appreciate it, Bubs. Always oh, a pleasure, my man. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show, weeknights from seven to nine
3: on AM nine hundred CHML.
1: My next guest, 10 years ago this month, nearly died, very nearly died. On her way home from being out one night, her boyfriend who'd been drinking and was driving fast crashed the car and she suffered severe injury. So severe in fact, and she will, I think, talk about this in a couple of minutes that doctors actually recommended to her parents that they consider taking her off life support because. Even if she recovered, she was going to probably be in some form of a vegetative state for the rest of her life with no quality of life. It was very, very, very bleak. And you may have read this story back then. You may have followed this story over the years as it went through court and on and on and on. Well, thankfully, wonderfully, those early dire predictions turned out not to be true. You may have read this week about Rachel Dendecker in a terrific piece that was in The Spectator by Paul Wilson. Uh, I hope you did. If you didn't, you want to. But in the meantime, Rachel Dendecker joins me now. Rachel, how are you tonight?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How are you doing?
1: I'm I'm doing wonderfully. You know, when I read this story, I I remember this story from years ago, from way back at the beginning of it. And, you know, as you know, I mean, you were there. Um, It was pretty bleak when this whole thing started. The doctors must be shocked when they see you now at where you are.
3: Well, they can join the club.
1: <laughs> are you shocked?
3: Absolutely. I amaze myself every day, but D- why quit one this far ahead, right?
1: Uh, well, of course. of course. Did you ever ask your parents, I want to ask you a few things about this, and I don't know how comfortable you are For talking sure. about the accident in those early times, but... Did you ever ask your mom or your dad why they didn't listen to the doctors and why they didn't take you off life support back then? What, what made them stick with it and decide not to?
3: Because I can fight. I don't think I asked them, but I know that they would not give up on me.
1: Do you? What is the first thing? And again, I don't know how comfortable you are talking about back then, but yeah. um, what was the first thing that you remembered when you woke up in the hospital? Because you were in a coma for a while. What do you, do you remember what, what came to mind when you, when you came out of that coma back 10 years ago?
3: I have no memory of coming out of the coma.
1: What was the first thing then that you remembered? Do you, do you go back there? Can you think of that?
3: I don't remember that at all.
1: Did it dawn on you though reasonably quickly that your life had changed? Because you'd been a cheerleader. uh, You'd been a very active student. I mean, did, did it, did you realize reasonably quickly that things were going to be pretty different?
3: Absolutely.
1: How? What what was it that you started to realize was all was going to be different for you?
3: Everything was different. I had to relearn to do absolutely everything. To talk, brush my teeth, walk is one of the main things. I had it was like being born for the first time. But I'm I was 18.
1: Wow. And and literally, like, everything that you would have done so easily before was now starting over.
3: Everything that came so natural, I had to relearn a whole new way of doing it. When I first learned to walk, in my head, all I would say is, high knee, heel, toe. High knee, heel, toe. And that's how I learned to walk.
1: So you actually had to think about every step as exactly. opposed to just doing it.
3: Exactly.
1: Now, thankfully, and I think you're probably thankful for this too, even though it affects you, but most people listening will never go through what you've had to go through. And I mean, that's a good thing. You wouldn't want that on someone
3: else. Not even my worst enemy.
1: But tell me this, because none of us hopefully or likely will be there. When you were not able to talk, were you able to hear the words in your head and just not say them? Or did you have to learn the whole language over again?
3: I I was able to tell myself in my, in my own mind, I guess I thought I was talking and everyone could hear me, but I wasn't able to.
1: So was it when you start then to get healthy enough to begin doing some rehabilitation and to start getting back at trying to move your arms and legs and everything again and talk again, was that an easy, emotionally, was that an easy process or was it really, really frustrating then when you're starting this all over again?
3: Honestly, I don't remember what I
1: felt. I
3: don't remember how it felt to do.
1: But how did you over the years, though, stay so positive when you were doing this? Because it seems to me that it would have been so hard so many times. How did you stay upbeat about it?
3: Well, I always tell myself one thing every day. The worst did not happen. So why would I stop trying to get better? I've been blessed with the chance to keep on going.
1: But you there there must have been days though that it was very frustrating.
3: Oh, absolutely. But why would I let the bad outweigh the good, right?
1: Were you other than your family and I know you have have family, were there a lot of friends who surrounded you and came and got involved at this point because it's it would be difficult even for some people to, to be around and to see someone struggling
3: well when I was in the hospital I know I had a lot of people come in and stuff to see me but that has not been the case recently I have my few close friends and my family and that's all I need is the people that really stand by me and don't judge me on anything.
1: Rachel, when when did things really cuz you've you've gone from as you said not being able to walk, learning how to speak again, all these things, and now you're doing a lot of things that really really exceptionally well. What do you when did things really start to get better so that you really felt like, you know what? Uh, I am going to be able to live a, I'll use the quote, the invisible quote signs, but a normal life again. When, when did that exactly. start? When did you start to realize that? How long after was it?
3: Uh, a, I, a long time after, because I was in the hospital for a full year and then rehab after that. And then when I was finally home and using a walk out of my wheelchair, That's when I was able to start see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I was able to move on my own and not need to be pushed and things like that. And I'm able to start to be independent. That's what really made me feel like I can do this.
1: Well, and you do a lot of things now. I was looking through some of the things. You volunteer now a couple, once or twice Um, a week?
3: Yeah, twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. Doing what? I help out. It's a young adult program with people that have all types of injuries, and I just go with them, and I, I'm their friend. I play games with them. I read with them, and I help them feel that they're not alone.
1: Well, you know where they've been.
3: Exactly, so I can relate to them, and I know how they feel. So why not give back right?
1: well, sure now I mean going through this so you, you volunteer you've you're back to you use a cane now right, but you're walking again right. on by yourself, right, which is and amazing
3: when I go to the gym, my trainer takes my cane away and says, "You're walking with your own two legs
1: <laughs> and what do you say when he does that or is it she does okay? that
3: if I fall I just gotta get back up
1: well that's and you, and clearly everyone listening can hear that for someone who had had to learn to talk all over again, your talking is exceptional. I mean, it like it sounds. It, it's. I wasn't sure even before you came on. I mean, I, I had met you once you before. Didn't
3: know what to expect? I
1: didn't know what to expect because a lot of people when they have to learn to talk all over again, it's not this clear. You've done a magnificent job learning that all over again. Oh,
3: thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
1: I know you also ride horses.
3: Oh, absolutely! Tell
1: me about that. How do you end up riding a horse? How, where, where does that? Were you <laughs> did, were you a rider before your accident?
3: Not at all.
1: So what happened?
3: Not at all. Well, after my accident, I just wanted to start some new things, and my mom found out from someone that there's a program called TEED, and it helps disabled people ride horses. So, why not? If I can't walk, I'll let the horse walk and I'll ride.
1: Was it. I've always wondered for people who do that because I know the program well. Is it frightening to get on a horse the first time when things are, I mean, on your own legs, things are a little shaky? Is it a little daunting yeah. to get on?
3: It, it was at first, but not anymore at all. I had my first class there again today. Oh, perfect. The season started today.
1: You, uh, you do karaoke, I understand. So you're Absolutely. a singer.
3: Not the best. Not
1: <laughs> well, that makes two of us.
3: Well, who's to judge, right?
1: Exactly. And as you said, you go to the gym, you work out. I mean, the point of all this, the reason I'm asking all these things, you are leading a full and again, normal quotes, normal life that everyone else would be leading. It's And, and 10 years ago, I can't imagine that you or your parents or your friends might have expected it would be this much so.
3: Absolutely.
1: Have things turned around a little bit now in the sense that when you started, you were wondering, what am I going to be able to do? And now you're sort of wondering, what can't I do?
3: Absolutely. Before, I would always question myself, can I do this? But now I just say, Rachel, have you even tried? So you got to just get up and go for it. You never know unless you try.
1: And what happens if you try something and it doesn't work out?
3: Then you realize you got to work on certain things a bit more.
1: Is there something that you're really still wanting to do that isn't quite there yet, but that you've set as a goal that you want to do down the road?
3: Absolutely. I walk with a cane, but I normally need to have someone beside me when I'm walking. I want to be able to walk on my own, even if it's with a third leg. <laughs> well,
1: that, I mean, that's, uh, even, even to be able to do it with someone beside you, it's a, it's a again, from where you were.
3: That's an amazing accomplishment.
1: I've had on this show a few times a um, a young hockey player. Now, you probably wouldn't know of him. His name is Riley Dunda. And a few years ago, he, had, he played for the Hamilton Red Wings. And he was, I think, about the age you had your accident. You were 18. He right. had a massive stroke out of the blue. Uh-huh. And like you, he's very much like you in a lot of ways. He had to come back, and he's now playing hockey again, remarkably. But a lot of people... Especially in that community, he has spent time at hospitals and stuff. A lot of people look at him, really, as a huge inspiration now because of what he went through and what he's been able to fight back and do. Do you have people tell you that you inspire them when they see what you've accomplished?
3: I do, and that is one of the most rewarding things I can ever hear, to know that people can learn from my experience is amazing. I'll give that back for sure.
1: Are people surprised when, if they hear your story, to hear just how bad it was and to see where you are, are they shocked that you've come as far as you have?
3: Definitely. They, They always just think of something different. They think of a stroke or a common thing like that, but then they hear accident, brain injury, and things like that, and they're just astounding on how far I'm coming along.
1: Have doctors now, the doctors, again, at the very beginning of this, I don't want to say they were pessimistic, maybe realistic or, or from their experience, it was realistic. Yeah. You've exceeded that. But um, have they said anything now? Have they given you sort of anything where they now say, you know what, Rachel, uh, you can get to this far? Is, have they, Or do they just say, you know what, we no longer have any clue what you're going to be able to do and just go and do it because you've exceeded all of our expectations?
3: Well, they just say, keep going. I've I've done everything that no one thought I could do. So why not think I can do anything else?
1: There have been, as as I was getting ready to have you on tonight, I've read pretty much every story that the spec has done since this whole accident happened. Mm-hmm. And almost every story, almost everyone, there is a word that keeps popping up, and that is the word miracle. Do, do you believe that a miracle happened here? Do you believe that this is a miracle or is this something else?
3: I believe that God is not ready for me up up there with him yet. I believe that I'm supposed to be here. There's a reason for me to be alive and to keep on going. And I just have to keep on living to find out what it is.
1: Do you ever think to yourself, why was I the one who was in that car? Why did this happen to me?
3: All the time.
1: And how do you answer that then? Because that's a hard question to try and figure out why why this happened to you as opposed to someone else.
3: I ask myself, and then when I can't find an answer, I say, Rachel, you just wasted half an hour (laughs) doing nothing about getting upset. That's something that already happened. Just move on. If I get upset, I just Google funny pictures and forget about being upset
1: it it is though it that is a very i would think a very difficult question though because it's the one it's the thing that it doesn't how do you make logic of something that was so really unnecessary
3: exactly and why me why not me? you know what I mean everybody says why you well why not me if it's someone else, everyone would say why you just got to keep
1: on going. It is, uh, you know what? You have a terrific story. You have a wonderful attitude, and um, and uh, I read Paul Wilson's piece. I hope everyone will go read it. It's, it was in the Spec yesterday, I believe, or the day yes. before. Uh, yes. It's still online at the spec.com. I'm sure you've got a million people who have gotten contact with you about that because it was uh, it was it was so well done. Um, it was. Rachel, listen, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, thanks for this because it's again, it's anyone. I'll say this: anyone who's having a horrible day today. Go back and listen to Rachel again. Your day has not been that bad. Honestly, it has not been that bad. You, if, with what you've gone through, if you can have an upbeat attitude, I suppose we all can. Rachel, thanks for doing this.
3: Thank you so much. Have a
1: great night. You that is
3: take
1: care. Rachel Dendecker. Again, go and read Paul Wilson's. Paul Wilson, uh, his piece was in the spec.com. Go and read it. It's on, I think it's probably still on the main page. If not, you can find it on there without too much difficulty. This story, if you go back, and I did, Go back to the very beginning when this accident happened and then the first court cases and everything else. This was honestly one of the bleakest stories because it was so completely unnecessary. It was, a, it was a drinking and driving and a speeding thing. And it was just, it was depressing. Because every one of these stories like this with young people or not even young people who do something stupid in their car and someone gets hurt or gets killed or gets badly injured like this. You look and you go, what were you doing? What? What is, why did this have, this didn't have to happen. And this was such a depressing story to begin with. But man, oh man, talk about not depressing anymore. I mean, clearly I I, I didn't ask her and I, I shouldn't assume I, my guess would be that had she, if she had her druthers, if she had the choice to wave a magic wand, I would guess that Rachel would probably wish that she didn't have the challenges that she had. But I don't know that. I I should have asked that question. I don't know. But she has made lemonade out of lemons. Let's say that for sure. You get handed a bowl of lemons, you do something with it, she has made lemonade out of it. Good for her. It's It's a great story. Again, go read Paul Wilson's piece. And if you know someone... Who could use this again send them the link to paul's piece or in an hour or so this show the link will be up at the scott radley show page at 900 chml.com go find it and send them the link to that so they can listen to rachel really inspirational young lady the scott radley show weeknights from seven to nine on am 900 am 900 chml